Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. So we continue. We're almost near the end. The book of Acts, chapter 28, starting verse 1. Finish your voyage. Complete the journey of life. It can be long and hard and difficult. Going through the storms, hitting the rocks, the hidden reefs, the shipwreck, and being washed up on shore. And now we must face the islands with its mysteries, the natives, and the deadly creatures. Life is a journey, ups and downs. You know, stop, stop the ride, I want to get off, right? It's like a roller coaster, you're locked in, and you're going to go up and down and all around. And I'm afraid you cannot escape the storms, the difficulties, the trials of this world, Christian or not. We're going to go through them. Your choice is, do you go through them by yourself, or do you go through the storms and the shipwreck and the rocks and, the, you know, the turbulence with or without Christ. Hopefully Jesus is your shipmate. He is your captain. He is your life preserver, your lifeguard, your lighthouse, your, your guiding light. This is the story of Paul, and we're getting near the end. He's been our great apostle missionary going to the ends of the known world by land and by sea going through various uh, ports and ships. Uh, But it seems sometimes things get worse and things get harder. And I think a lot of times the storms and the rocks, the, the turbulence build up right before something great is going to happen. And many times we want to quit. I want to abandon ship. I want to get out of here. I want to quit the ministry. I don't want to be in this family. I'm going to run away from town. I'm just going to, you know, jump off the world. You cannot. You must continue. You've come too far to quit now. And Jesus wants you to finish well. And the best is yet to come. I was thinking of the awesome story, the book, the movie, Robinson Crusoe. And it was this nominal Christian, if you will, who went through uh, the shipwreck and he lands washed up on shore on a deserted island. And he's all alone. But you know what he learns being on an island all alone? How to pray, how to get close to the Lord. And he really found what prayer was. He desperately wanted a human companion being all alone. And he rescues this native and he names him Friday. He teaches him how to speak English because he wants someone to talk to. And he introduces him to the Lord Jesus Christ. He converts him to Christianity. What a powerful story to survive. And the thing with Robinson Crusoe, he never gives up. And he learns to survive on the island and he uses the the shipwreck, the 
the various things that have washed ashore, and he makes it through all the trials. You know, natives come in cannibals, you know, running for his life, and all the trials. But he builds the ship, and he makes it all the way back home to England. He never gives up, and he ends up marrying, having children, and a wonderful, blessed life. He doesn't quit the journey. He continues. And so can I encourage you, don't quit. You've come too far. Don't bail. God is going to do some great things. The best is yet to come. Well, even though they've made it to land, Paul, you know, they've made it through the storms, the waves, the winds, the reef, the rocks, the ship is broken apart, and they've desperately swam to shore. They've washed up on the beach, and they discover it's paradise, right? It's a beautiful island, Hawaii, you know. But even though you've made it to paradise, you must ship off the island, right? You can't stay there on the island. You must come back to reality. You're on the mountaintop, but you must go back to the valley, right? 28 verse 1. When they had been brought safely through, just like God promised Paul, remember the heavenly vision, not one soul will perish, all 176 will make it to land. No one will drown. Then we found out that the island was called Malta. In the back of your Bible, you can follow the journeys of Paul and his last journey by sea through all the ports of call, all the islands, all the way to Rome, his destination. And when they cross the great sea at the wrong time, remember Paul said, no, it's not a good time. This is a mistake. We're going to run into trouble. They didn't listen, right? I told you so. So they go into the horrible storm, and then God sends a little dot in the middle of the great sea, a little tiny island called Malta. And it's right on the path of the storm, and this is where they find safety. And you may be in this horrible storm in the middle of nowhere, and God sends an island. And God makes sure that you crash land on the rocks of the island for safety. And it is not by coincidence. It is divine design. God is taking care of you. Uh, I had gone to a wonderful Christian concert in Los Angeles, and I was, you know, poor college kid, and I ran out of gas on the 605 freeway in the middle of the night, one in the morning, in gang turf. And I'm from L.A., and I'm like, this is not good. And I'm praying, God, you're supposed to give me enough gas to get home. And now here I'm walking the freeway in the middle of the night, the most dangerous parts of the city. And I'm praying, God, you got to get me home. This is going to take forever all night. And lo and behold, God sent somebody. Someone pulled up in front of me on the freeway to give me a ride home. And I thought, it's a trick, it's a trap, it's a gangbanger. I don't know, Lord, is this from you? And on the back of their bumper, they had all these Christian stickers and verses and the sign of the fish and the cross. And, and he gave me the one-way sign uh, in the window. And I talked, and he said, I'm a Christian, and I don't know what happened. But 
God sent me here to pick you up, you know, and I got lost and I'm going down the wrong way on the freeway. I don't even live here. And God told me to pull over and pick you up. And I don't pick up people. You could be a gangbanger. It could be a trick or something. You're going to hurt me. But he said the Holy Spirit told me to pull over and pick you up and take you home. It wasn't coincidence. The island was not a coincidence. It was right in their path to bring them safely home. A church member said, Pastor John, you never tell enough jokes. So I'm going to tell you a joke about being washed ashore. So there were these three ladies, and they got washed ashore on this deserted island. And lo and behold, later... Uh, a bottle washed up on the shore of the island and they rubbed it and it poof out came a genie and he said to the three women I will grant you each one wish you get three wishes total and I must tell you the women there was a a brunette a redhead and a blonde (laughs) so the brunette said I, w- I know my wish, I know my wish. I want to go back home into my living room in the fireplace and baking bread and be with my children on my knee and my husband and, and the music and, and the smells of home. I want to be back home. And poof, there she was in front of the fireplace or playing with her kids in her wonderful house of love. And the red said, redhead said, I know, I, I want to be back at work with my friends, the water cooler and typing and, and doing, I love my co-workers and I miss all my friends. I want to be back at work. It gives me purpose and meaning and poof. She's back at the computer, typing her friends, laughing, telling stories. And the last was the blonde. And she said, Jeannie, I'm so lonely. I miss all my friends. I wish they were back here. And poof, they all came back to the island. (laughs) Oh, man. So they've made it to the shore. Verse 2. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness. For because of the rain that had set in, and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. Good news, the natives are friendly. They're hospitable. They've made a warm fire. We're drying off. They're feeding us. They're taking care of us. And everyone is safe and sound. But it's not all over. Verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand attacked by a deadly poisonous snake. Have you been there? I've seen rattlesnakes right here in Reno and in the Sierras, and they, you know, shake their rattle to warn you they're venomous, right? And you run from them. And they say the baby rattlesnakes are the most deadly because they'll just inject all their poison all at once into you. They can kill you, definitely kill a small animal, a child, put you in the hospital yes and so Paul has made it through the storm through the rocks the reef the ship breaks up he desperately swims to land only to get bitten by a deadly poisonous snake what's the odds of that (laughs) it's crazy and you feel like when will this nightmare end wave after wave trial attack difficulty Verse 4, when the natives saw that the creature 
hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, Undoubtedly, this man is a murderer, and though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. It's fate. It's karma. The gods, they have attacked him. Oh, he escaped the sea. But there's been divine judgment and attack upon him that he should get bit by this deadly snake. Oh, no. (laughs) People misjudge. They think you're going through a trial, a difficulty, because you've done something wrong. You're an evil person. It's because you're a child of God. It's because you're doing things right. You're serving the Lord. The devil's after you. The world is your enemy. The trials of life, they come to us all. And there is no escaping them. But Paul is not alone. And Jesus will not allow his great apostle to die by a snake bite. It is double trouble, right? It never seems to end. Vicious creatures and animals. I was telling a friend I had visited Florida and I'm up on a bridge and I saw down on the river, the largest alligator I had ever seen. And I thought, that thing's not real. I've never seen one. So it must be a statue here in the park. So I got a stone and I hit him in the nose. <laughs> and he came alive and he ran up on the bridge after me and I ran for dear life. Boy, those things are fast. <laughs> Deadly creatures. A bunch of us up in uh, Big Bear had lunch at the picnic table, and and we went away to the restrooms, gather some more food, and we had our food spread out on the picnic table, and we come back, and there's a raccoon, and he's eating our lunch. I'm like, get away from there. That's our lunch. Get away. And I'm ready to, like, hit him with the stone, and he goes, and I'm like, okay, you could have it. (laughs) Those claws and teeth, you know. Those raccoons are mean. Verse 5. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. Shake it off. There you go into the fire. You burn, you little snake. But God has protected him. Verse 6. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say that he was a god. First they're saying you're getting attacked by God. Now they're saying you must be divine. You must be a god yourself. No, it is mistaken identity. The great apostle Paul is not a god. There's only one true god. But he is a representative of God. He is a great apostle, missionary Christian of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. And because he's God's representative and has the Holy Spirit, Jesus has given him authority and power and Holy Spirit giftings where he's going to do great things as a representative of Uh, as a hand of God, if you will. Jesus said to his followers, uh, and he explained, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. 
the protection of God from snakes and vicious animals, the protection of poison, and the power to do miracles and healing, which we will see next. Have you been through the storms of life, but now you've finally made it, you've hit paradise, right? Everything is good, big party, the food, the hospitality, it's nice and warm, the water's beautiful, I don't want to leave. When I visited Hawaii, I said, I'm going to move here, right? I had actually looked at some land, and the realtor didn't want to take me to see the land. I said, I, w- I want to buy one of those lots. They're on sale, only $3,000, and I could live on the big island of Hawaii. And she said, no, I ain't going to take you up there. You drive up in your car. So I drive up, and it's on the side of a volcano, and it's solid lava rock, <laughs> and nothing grows there. And I'm like, this is not paradise. <laughs> Crazy. But you got to come back home, right? You got to continue, you got to get back onto another ship. And you must sail on and continue the journey to where God has called you. Paul has been called to Rome, he can't camp out at the island forever. He's got to pack it up and go back on the journey back to another sailing ship. Heal the islanders. Now, the great apostle, Christianity has come, the kingdom has come to a little island, an island of sickness and pain, and miracles will accompany our apostle. Verse 7. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously three days. Rich, powerful, influential. Uh, talk about a luau and a buffet and island food, you know, and coconuts and pineapples and Roasted pig right over the coals, and I mean, a three day party. Dancers, you know, incredible. The islanders, we never want to leave. Uh, was it mutiny of the bounty where the, they, they come to this island and the shipmates don't want to leave? This is paradise. We want to live here. We want to marry the natives. It was incredible. I was invited to a native's. Uh, mud house, um, like a hut out of mud, adobe, and no electricity, no running water, and they killed animals and made this incredible meal for me. And my Christian translator said, thank the Lord there is no lights in this house, pastor, so you don't see what you're eating. And I go, what? Oh, yeah, you know, they've gone all out, and you better eat it all, because if you don't eat it, You will insult them, but thank the Lord that you can't see what you're eating. It's so dark in this room, and you'll be glad you don't see what you're eating, (laughs) but you better eat it. Man, and the thing I could never eat was the eyeballs, and I said, you have the eyeballs. I ain't eating those eyeballs. (laughs) The great feasts, and, and Jesus said to his disciples, whatever city you enter and they receive you, Eat whatever is set before you. Hospitality. And in these cultures, they give you their best. They give you all that they have. And if you don't eat it, it's an insult to their hospitality and love. 
And it is hard when you go to foreign cultures to eat bizarre foods. And I would never eat the head. I just said, no, I ain't eating that part. <laughs> I'm sharing it with you out of love here. You have this part. Verse 8. <laughs> and it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed afflicted with recurring fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. So his host's father is in great pain, great illness and sickness. And our apostle has the power of God, and he prays for him, he lays hands on him, and miraculously he's healed, just like Jesus said, and you will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Laying of hands, it is the practice of Jesus. It's the practice of the apostles, the practice of the church. Laying of hands. You see this in the ministry of Jesus. He would touch people. The dead girl, he grabbed her by the hand. The leper, you don't touch lepers. He touched the lepers and they're healed. And Jesus is touching people and people are touching him. The woman with the bleeding, she, she touches the fringe of his garment and she's healed. And so to lay hands is a point of personal love and contact and it is a point of faith to touch someone in prayer a practice of the church. Verse 9, After this had happened, the rest of the people on the island who were diseased were coming to him and getting cured. The news spread. Christianity has come. I think when you're the first one, when you're the first witness, the first Christian, the first missionary, there is a special anointing on you, and the kingdom of God has come with you, and God wants to use you. You're the first Christian in the family, the first Christian in the neighborhood, the first Christian at work, the first Christian in some bizarre place, and now you represent God, and be bold, and be strong, and step out in prayer, and give a scripture, and lay hands on people, because God's got a reputation to uphold, and he's going to show his power. The whole island knows that Jesus has come through his apostle, and we see the healing ministry just like Jesus does so does his church. Verse 10. They also honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. Minister wherever you're at. When I go on trips, vacation, I'm on a cruise ship, I'm on a plane... Uh, bring my Bible, I read. A lot of times people will say, what are you reading? Oh, it's a Bible, I have a scripture verse for you. Quote him a verse. Oh, what are you reading? I notice you're reading a spiritual book. Where are you going? Oh, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian. I, you know, and you witness wherever you're going. Some people say, but I'm on vacation. You're never on vacation from God. <laughs> He's everywhere, and he wants to use you wherever you go. But you've got to leave the island, right? You've got to minister and continue the journey. 
follow Paul's sea log. And he gives us various ports of call and islands and directions. And we can trace his destination to Rome. On the back of your Bible, you have the journeys of Paul in the last one. You see him by, by sea. He's going all the way to Rome, his final destination. And God has a sea log for you. He has an itinerary, places you're going to go things you're going to do, people you're going to meet. And it's not by coincidence, it's not by chance. It is his divine appointments for you. Verse 11. At the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship which had wintered at the island and which had the twin brothers for its figureheads. Verse 12. After we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno, at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567, and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.